0: hey guys welcome to power of attorney i am your host Latanya moore and i am so excited guys about today's episode we are going to be talking to criminal attorney victoria r clark she is going to be discussing several things um of course you know criminal law guys is so vast um i know that our our listeners have been asking about things like attorney client trust like can you really trust your attorney not to sell you out <laughs> and, in criminal cases uh, for you guys that, that may or may not have seen this, there was a New York times article about the plea bargain trap. And so we are going to be touching on some of those things, you know, again, attorney client trust, we are going to be talking about the plea bargaining process and Victoria and I will also be talking about understanding your case and really just the chances of winning by going to trial because, you know, the plea bargain process is there and there is a reason for that. She is she practices in Washington, D.C. The name of her firm is Clark Law PLLC. And so without further ado, please welcome Victoria R. Clark. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Excited to be here. Awesome. So I always love to interview criminal lawyers. Um, You guys really rock because at the end of the day, um, you really are (laughs) on that front line while the rest of us are in the office. But uh, but seriously, though, I, I think that that oftentimes people do have some challenges when it comes to criminal lawyers and how to pick the best lawyer, how to deal with uh, can you trust your attorney in a certain process? Talk to us a little bit about your perspective about attorney-client trust and just some some words of wisdom that you would have for people as they're looking at who to choose.
1: Sure. So I'll say that there are a few differences between attorneys. And so when you're talking to uh, a prospective attorney that you're considering retaining for your case, certainly you want to consider the cost. You want to consider their method of communication. Uh, and you want to ask them, you know, what will you do to resolve my case? Now, an attorney might not keep you apprised of every single move they're making. Um, But I guarantee you that most attorneys at the forefront of their mind are doing everything they can uh, for their case, especially in uh, terms of criminal defense, and we just don't want to lose our licenses. So uh, it's incumbent upon all of us to be really the best that we can be. And and by being the best we can be, um, we get great outcomes for our clients. Uh, we get more clients and we, of course, retain our licenses. Awesome. And I think that that people
0: probably don't really think about that because, of course, a lawyer losing their license is not something that you see all the time, but it is a real possibility, right? It, it is a real possibility. I mean, there there can really be a level of incompetence where that can happen. And I think that, too... On, on, the, on the other end, though, and I love the fact that what you were saying about ask questions, right? You want to know from this attorney, how many cases like yours have they had, how they have they handled before? Because just because someone is a criminal attorney doesn't mean that they have experience in your case, right? If, if you are, let's say you are charged with a sex crime, um, but this person, primarily, let's say that they do—I don't know—drug trafficking or drug possession cases, and they may be very popular in the community because of the type of cases that they do and because of their expertise in that in in that part of criminal law. And so, what do you think, Victoria? In terms of how how easy is it? Like, for example, with with the example that I gave. Let's say that the client does go and and they do have a case and this attorney says they may have lots of years of experience but they say well you know I really haven't done a lot of let's just say sex crimes cases but they've done a lot of criminal possession cases what are some things that someone sitting in that attorney's office can ask that particular attorney so that you know besides the fact that they haven't done a lot of cases what are some other things that they can consider if they otherwise like the attorney
1: So I would say that if if in your example, someone is charged with a sex offense and are speaking with an attorney who um, the bulk of their practice has been in drug cases, that does not necessarily rule out the confidence of that attorney. Because let's look at um, some of the questions you could ask that are really going to uh, show the similarities of those practices. So one, uh, how many of those cases has the attorney taken to trial so if you are looking for a criminal defense attorney who has never taken the case to trial you should leave their office Uh, because if it comes down to it if as we talk about later you don't want to take a plea offer and you need to take that case to trial that that attorney is not going to know how to do it um you want to ask them uh what type of process they go through um in investigating and Um, defending their client, uh, especially uh, in the pre-trial process. So, for example, do they work with an investigator or do they make the calls and do the investigations themselves? Uh, What court are you in? Uh, So there are certainly uh, different courts in every jurisdiction, local court, um, sometimes different local courts, federal courts. You want to ask the attorney what their experience in each particular court is. That will judge their level of comfort in the court, their level of experience with those prosecutors, um, and their level their level of knowledge about the judge that is going to be handling your case. And all those things can uh, really come in handy um, when it comes to defending your specific case. Uh, but as far as the different like uh, types of crimes they, they've done, um, you want to know. Um, that they know how to uh, read forensic reports. That's going to be be very important um, in most types of cases.
0: Awesome, and and that's really really great great sage advice. And you also bring up something else about um, knowing the judge, understanding the jurisdiction that you that you're in, because even in the same uh, even in the same metro area, there are always several different. <laughs> Jurisdictions. I mean, unless you're just, you know, in some obscure place, but for the most part, there will be multiple jurisdictions that one attorney may be practicing in. And so your jurisdiction, uh, you want to know what's going on, what experience that, that they have. So that's really great advice. I want to also ask you, though, um, about understanding your case and your chances of success, because I think all of the things that you just mentioned really speak to that. And, and speaks to the ability to be able to do that. Talk to us a little bit more about what, what does that mean and what is the impact of understanding your case and your chances of success at trial?
1: Sure. So first is you as an individual know whether you did what the government is saying you did or not um so for example i'll take something a little more simple like a dui you know whether or not you were drunk in the car before you were arrested um so if you know you you actually did what the government is saying that you did um you can knock some points off in terms of how likely you are to beat the case um because that increases the risk of the government having um, just more evidence against you. Uh, if we're talking about, um, some cases in some jurisdictions, the police are equipped with body-worn cameras. And so if, for example, in the DUI case, the police arrested you with their body-worn camera turned on, you're slurring your words, you're stumbling, you have bloodshot eyes, you might have said on camera, Oh, I only had a few shots of rum. Well, you know, that's kind of a time where you want to discuss with your attorney. Um, Look, this is my situation and this is what happened. And of course, you want to be truthful with your attorney because the attorney is going to discuss a strategy with you. And then as they receive discovery, they want to make sure that, uh, um, the discovery they receive from the government matches up with what you're saying, we also have to remedy those discrepancies. Um, and that may impact their assessment on whether your case is likely to succeed at trial or not. Now, I will give the, the caveat that there might be something in your case where the police did something that was unlawful. Maybe they searched you and they had no probable cause to search you. That's information from that you'll receive from your lawyer about whether or not your case is winnable on some type of other grounds other than whether or not you've actually did it or not. So um that is definitely something that uh take into consideration. So I always recommend giving your attorney all of the information that you have without making any assessments on, you know, whether the police were doing something legal or illegal. Just give the attorney your narrative of what happened, um, all the information that you have, and your attorney will be able to give you a good good assessment of what would be the best uh, route to take. And certainly some clients come to me, they say, I definitely want to take the trial. Some clients come to me and say, I definitely do not want to take the trial. I just want to um, plead guilty and be done. I know I did it. I just want to get through this. Uh, And some will say, you know what? I might have done it, but we're going to make the, the government prove that I did it. So I got all the time in the world to fight this case.
0: Right. A- absolutely. And, I, and, and again, that is really great advice because you, you have to understand that your situation a- as an accused is not unique. And I think sometimes, and, and it really, this is not just in criminal law. <laughs> Those of us that, that practice business or civil law or any of the other areas, we all deal with clients that to the client, they are your only client. So they they don't understand oftentimes, or maybe they do, and and they may not be considerate of the fact that there are multiple things that are going on. And so, you know, you you've had experience with other people. Like this is not just the only thing, only person in the world that's ever been charged. You know, in our scenario or hypo with a sex crime. And so, for you to to not listen you know really uh but you have to understand at the end of the day it is your life it is your your decision uh but but again like the three different options that victoria mentioned some people don't want to go to trial some people say i didn't do it i want my day in court some people say i did it uh and but let's just see <laughs> let's just take out let's roll the dice um and so that that kind of brings us to the New York Times article, Victoria, about the plea bargain trap. Now, I know criminal lawyers really throughout the country, and I you know shared that article with with lots of them and it's interesting, you know, depending on what side they're on, oftentimes what their what what their opinion is, not just of that article but of of the way that that plea bargains work. Uh, I know one jurisdiction in particular that has um, a very, very high conviction rate, like very high, very, very high 90s, like above 95% conviction rate. And the vast majority of that percentage is plea bargain. And so there's questions in the community uh, about, uh, you know, are are some of these folks in cahoots? Uh, Because that's a really, really high conviction rate uh in in a in a place that um you know ha, has a lot of educated folks so so they're able to weigh the facts they're able to uh do things that we don't really um think that that people maybe in um other communities can so i want to first ask a question um because i know you mentioned earlier you know that that's one option that uh, that your clients, uh, do opt for. Uh, but I'd like to know just from just a general perspective, what are your thoughts on the way that the plea bargain process works, uh, and give our listeners just some insight, uh, into the things that, you know, even you consider, or that should be considered by them, especially being the accused, um, when offered a plea bargain. Sure,
1: so I'll say this, I do not, I'm not privy to a lot of the things that happen behind closed doors in most jurisdictions in the United States. And I'm sure that there's um, some unethical and challenging behaviors going on. Um, But I'll say that in D.C., I understand the plea bargain process to be pretty straightforward. Uh, and it's this, after the client is charged, sometime before between arraignment and their first data hearing, uh, which could be a couple weeks to a month after the person is charged with a crime, the government will send the defense counsel an email and they'll say the plea offer is this. A lot of the time it depends on certainly the severity of the crime, as well as the individual's criminal history. Uh, So when we talk about fair flea bargains, it kind of gets trickier with the more conviction someone has if we're talking about um, things like people of color being more likely to be pulled over or searched or charged and convicted in the first place then it kind of lessens their chances for fairer or more lenient plea bargains, like a first time offender I have, of course. Um, so I always tell my clients look, you are absolutely not required to accept this plea bargain, but I am absolutely required to tell it to you. And then we can talk about what you want to do from there. Uh, a lot of clients ask me, you know what should I do? Tell me what to do. And because I'm concerned um, about some of the issues brought up in that article, like um, people perceiving defense attorneys to be in cahoots with the government uh, and just trying to get convictions, except in the most extreme circumstances, I never tell my clients, this is what you should do. What I do is I lay out for them Here's the plea offer. Here's what it means. First, make sure my client understands what the implications are, um, and also that the, you know the the judge is not required to follow that plea offer. So, if the government offers you know 90 days in jail, the judge could give less. The judge could give more. It's up to the judge. Um, I also inform them uh, what their chances are of being successful at trial. Um, I lay out what's going against them, what's going for them. I tell them if you want to accept guilt and you'd like to be done with it soon, like next week, the plea offer is your is your best bet. But if you want to ride it out, then go to trial. Uh, so I think it's unfortunate that some attorneys are not um, being fair and open with their clients. Uh, but certainly as defense attorneys, that's what we're here for to make the system more fair one client at a time.
0: Absolutely. And, and I just think that be, being someone that I could count the number of criminal cases that I did in all of my <laughs> years. Uh, so I, I would venture to say I have zero real experience, uh, in the whole process But I think that from just a a theoretical standpoint, and I think just from a a public standpoint, people just believe any attorney or every attorney is the same when it comes to things like criminal law, because that's what people mostly equate attorneys with outside of, you know, car wrecks and personal injury. Um, For the most part, that's going to be the average person who think when they think about an attorney. And I bring that up because I've had situations where people just would call me um, about a criminal matter. <laughs> oh, bless me. About a criminal matter, knowing full well, I don't even do criminal law. And, I, and I'm and i saying that to speak to what Victoria is saying about really understanding the experience of the person that, that you're talking to. And I think what she mentioned earlier, Uh, in the conversation about asking them how many cases that have they taken to trial, right? If they, if if they say none, your chances of getting a plea bargain uh, suggested and, and, and probably recommended is probably going to be high. Um, Exactly. You know, because this is, this is not something that, that, that people do and so uh i would say if you if you are faced with that situation you need to ask them why why (laughs) why have you never taken a case to trial um and they should be able to it's a fair question and they should be able to answer that question for you you may not like the answer but you always have the opportunity to go and uh, connect with someone else so i want to encourage you guys to listen to the things that victoria has mentioned About this process. Really think about that, especially if you or someone you know is facing a criminal charge. Victoria, let our listeners know how to connect with you.
1: Sure, you can connect with me uh, by phone. The phone number to my office is 202 753 0388. My website is Z for R C L A R K at clarklawdc.com, excuse me, that's my email. My website is clarklawdc.com, B-L-A-R-K-L-A-W-D-C.com. My Instagram is at R-A-Y-E-L-L-E underscore E-S-Q.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Listen, you can catch us on our Facebook page, Power of Attorney. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. We're on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and pretty much everywhere where podcasts are distributed. I am your host, Latanya Moore. This is Power of Attorney. Until next time, have a great day.